Hello and welcome to the Mayo Football Talk Shop from CRCFM's Saturday Sports Show. I'm Quivine Rowland and it's very special to say that Mayo now holds the bragging rights over near rivals Galway for the league at least as James Horne's side ran out 3.23 to 17 point winners against the league leaders in a win that has certainly done no harm indeed to Mayo's chances of surviving relegation. Well firstly Horne sprung a surprise in staying true to his team sheet an attacking side on the pitch from the get-go proved very fruitful for his side and to discuss that game I'm joined by Michael Kelly. Mike, first of all, how happy were you to see football back on television, the inter-county game where it belongs? Uh, yeah, it was good to see. It would have, been, would have been better to, you know, have been there maybe and, you know, particularly when you see a scoreline like that and a performance like that, it would have been great to see it in person, although personally I'm of the opinion that at least part of that was down to the fact that there was no fans there. I think Mayo are going to thrive with no fans in attendance because uh, there's nobody to get on their back. There's nobody to go quiet when things aren't going our way. The you know greatest fans in the GAA who we know have a tendency to go quiet when things aren't going our way and when, when results or scores start, might start going against us. When there is none of that, Mayo can just kind of plough on. And we saw there the last day that when they plough on, my God, do they look good. 2.17 in the first half from 21 shots, more more than they'd scored in in the previous five games within 70 minutes it was just it was great to see it was incredible to see so I'm surprised you're sticking with this idea that no fans is going to benefit Mayo because I feel like this could become a thing where no Mayo fan is ever going to want to go to a match ever again if it does provide an All-Ireland final and uh, well dare I say it a win in that regard We'd we'll never go it. to a match again. Yeah, but we'll take it. You know, we're, we're, we're a superstitious bunch when it comes to that kind of thing. I, I've known people over the years where it's been decided, right, you didn't go to last year's All-Ireland and they lost. Okay, you can go, but somebody else can't go. Your own brother, one year, couldn't get a ticket and we thought, maybe this is it. Yeah, yeah. No, no that's not the case. I'm, I'm getting worried because it's coming around to me. <laughs> that I'm going to be the one that can't go. Well, it might as well be all of us if, if that's going to be the case because... You know, we've tried everything else before to no avail, so why not give it a punt? In terms of uh, the style of play that you saw yesterday, totally different from those games we saw in the league. So much more energy, urgency. You know, there was so vibrant speed in attack was incredible. What were your thoughts on on how Horn decided to bring in some newcomers as well as sticking with some of the tried and tested? Yeah, it was kind of the opposite from what we've come to expect from a James Horn team. At the be- you know because you can consider this at the beginning of a season. Normally they're a very slow team to start, and they'll come good towards the end of the league on into the championship. Maybe with the shortened season this year, um, you know they've had to hit the ground running, and obviously the fact that you know had they lost the last day, that was it. They were gone for Division One, and I have to say, looking at the team, I thought immediately when that team was named was a Thursday or Friday of last week. Mm. I, I remember turning somebody and saying, "Well." Mayo have written off the league they're, they're just they're accepting relegation because I was looking at it and part of it was going who's he who's he who's he you know and, and all the, Mark Moore and Owen McLaughlin these kind of guys the full back as well as McBrien Dave McBrien for Balladrine yeah yeah. You, know, you were kind of wondering who are these guys and mm. that maybe is what helped them because even Galway didn't necessarily know who Mark Moore was you know you look at the, the impact he had on the game I know he didn't score from about the 10th minute onwards but everything he was involved in I heard Martin Carney on the radio saying that you could see the influence of Kieran McDonald yeah. in his forward play. And you could say that about a lot of forwards as well. The way they were playing, it was certainly influenced uh, by 
you know, what are arguably two of the best forwards ever to play for Mayo in Horan and McDonald. Yeah, so uh, even talking to Martin Kearney about it last week as well, he said if it's just a single bit of his intrinsic ability is able to be passed down through coaching to any of our forwards, it's going to be something special. And it was just remarkable to see Mayo footballers, Mayo forwards taking the ball on, driving with, with direct pace and being so confident and accurate, placing the ball over the bar. We saw it through the club championship and it was a really defining team throughout how we actually have an abundance of really top quality forwards who were able to, to win their own ball and confidently put it over the bar. We always then have the adage of that never translating on the inter-county stage but it looks like finally something is, is being unearthed. There's a confidence, there's a, a bravado that maybe McDonald brings and that's certainly not going to be a bad thing. Yeah, the, the male forwards played like male halfbacks. Yeah. driving at defenders and being able to pop the ball over the bar it was, it was almost like they've looked at the likes of Lee Keegan and Paddy, uh, Paddy Durkin and said hang on <laughs> you know, you're know, you number number 5 or number 7 or whatever I'm 14, 15 whatever number I'm the one supposed to be doing that and so they've decided that they are going to do that and you know you can see like n- not every player scored Dimmer O'Connor didn't score which was you know, not like him. Normally he chips in with a point or two. I'm sure come championship he will be. Um, I don't think Aidan O'Shea maybe got on the scoreboard, might have got one. He did, yep. But he yeah. won about mm. how Sean Andy O'Kelly finished the game. He should have been gone in the first half for persistent fouling by the end of the match. But Aidan O'Shea took what I saw, uh, I, I think it was I think it was Sean Cavan in the paper, but it might have just been, I think it would have been John Fallon who wrote the report. Describes Sean o- Andy O'Kelly as one of the best fullbacks in the country. Yeah. <laughs> now, after I remade my coffee from spilling it, spitting it out in laughter at that thought, I read on and saw, you know, that, no, hang on, everything you've described is not one of the best fullbacks in the country. He did nothing but pull, drag, and foul Aidan O'Shea. And when he did decide to try and play football against Aidan O'Shea, was soundly beaten. Yeah. By a guy who's still not sure at the age of, I think Aiden has turned 30, mm. whether he's a midfielder, a centre forward, or a full forward. I personally think after we finally know now, yeah. we have enough midfielders, put him in full forward. He will make mincemeat of the so called best full backs in the country. And it's quite clear as well with the offensive mark. You know, every. And every county side seems to be much more confident with it, I suppose, from we'd seen it within the club championship also. But the benefits of having a big man, you know, just crossing the square, just doing what Donaghy did, you know, doing what so many, Michael Murphy did, so many forwards who have uh, done it against Mayo in the past. So to have that outlet as an option with such a fluid attacking system, you know, you, you couldn't particularly say from the half forward line to the midfield there was they were particularly fixed to their positions. I think that comes down to the team selected. You know, a lot of people's eyebrows would have been raised with Conor Loftus playing at midfield. And this time last year, maybe even coming back into the league, you know, he had appearances off the bench. A lot of people would have thought, you know, his his time may have, have passed him by. And the decision to put him there, he was playing throughout his club uh, summer with Cross Molina. He was playing in midfield also. So it's it's proven that that was a really intelligent move to place him there because he has a very physical uh, midfielder in Jordan Flynn at a club level to to partner him and he's also capable of playmaking and tracking back and that's something that we hadn't really seen in his game before this No we hadn't and you know when you look at the, the right across kind of the half forward line of midfield as you say I mean you had Matty Ruan there who was your kind of out and out traditional midfielder but still he's going box to box Conor Loftus who is 
traditionally probably a half forward. Mm. But you had Jim O'Connor in the half forward line, who many will now view as a midfielder. There was three or four guys there. Even you had Lee Keegan around the half back line can also play midfield. It's something Mayo have generally done quite well. Where you have four or five midfielders on the team, <laughs> and everybody else, bar maybe Killian O'Connor and Aidan O'Shea, well, he'd be one of the midfielders, are these kind of runners. You generally have maybe Jerk Hafferkey at full back, and Killian stays up around full forward. They do those two roles to perfection. Everybody else runs, and midfield gets crowded out by four or five or six even big men who can field and play the ball off and can run or defend or whatever is it might be needed at the time. It looks a little bit like Horn might be leaning back towards that because you still have, like I, by championship, you could see Shamie O'Shea pushing for a starting place. Tom Parsons, I'd say, is going to be back in that team. Could either of those play at six? You know, we've seen Shamie O'Shea for Brafie over the last number of years playing at six. I think Tom Parsons would make a very good centre-back. He's yeah. very good distribution. He can see he could be a James Nallen type of centre-back because centre-back these days is, is no longer about that out-and-out defending. It's more of a sweeper role and being able to play. Keanu Sullivan, you know, can't defend, yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. But he's made a great career out of sitting in that pocket and just playing the ball out to the wings or down the middle, wherever it needs to go. And it's that intelligence as well, you know, that to screen the game and read where you want to go, breaking breaking up opposition attacks. And that was something as well throughout the Mayo team, even from the inexperienced younger players, the likes of Oshin Mullen, Owen McLaughlin, Dave McBride, and of course Mark Moran. You know, they had so much game intelligence about them at such an early age. It's remarkable to see. Yeah, but these guys are all leading players for their clubs as well, you know. and uh, Like, they all got to county semi-finals, county finals this 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 year. I mean, I don't think there was a lot more player in the team. No, not in the panel, but I believe Darren McHale, other than Kevin McLaughlin, is the only other not more player to be called up. Yeah, which I have no doubt is going to have hands thrown in the air and oh how do the county champions only have two players but it's not about you know I know okay uh, it looks like Peter Nocton I think is going to Sligo for some odd reason uh, to beat Galway he, to beat Galway in the semi-final hopefully that could be it maybe but he obviously thinks he's going to get game time in Sligo that mm. he's not going to get in Mayo which maybe isn't him backing his own ability but but I believe that now in his defence he had been involved in some Mayo setups in the past and so he obviously didn't just, feel like he wasn't able to make the breakthrough for whatever reason mm. uh, be that for his on his side or on or on management side but you know the, you do see like Mark Moran coming in from Westport David McBride coming in from Balladrine yes they got to county semi-finals or whatever uh, but they are leading players for their teams Westport came so close to getting to a county final on the back of guys like Owen McLaughlin Mark Moran not just you know, Fionn McDonough as well I think actually Westport have the most in the panel at the moment they're, they're up there anyway with with um, Brafey for having kind of five, six guys in the extended panel. And that's again because James Horan knows them from his year there a couple of years back. He knows them even better now that he's seen them at inter-county level when they're a little bit older. And these guys are standing up. They're, they're proving their worth. You look at so many other counties. The Armagh teams over the years were not backboned by Cross McLean. The Cork teams were not backboned by Nemo Rangers. The Galway teams are not backboned by Cara Finn. Just because they're county champions does not necessarily mean they're the best players in those positions. They have very good players who are capable of playing to the sum of their parts or beyond and getting a county title. But Tom Parsons, <coughs> excuse me, plays for Charlestown, who I think were relegated or came very close to being very relegated close to being, yeah. from the senior championship this year. That does not mean Tom Parsons is not one of the best midfielders in the country. David Heaney played for Swinford for how many years? You know, when they were at times, at times a good team, at times an average team. He was 
one of the best footballers in the country. You know, it's it's down to individual talent and what can be done at county level. And that's where you see the likes of Mark Moore and Conor Loftus, these guys standing up to be counted. Yeah, and it, it's a marked change, I suppose, from the past as well. Oftentimes, the pressure put on forwards that do come in, oftentimes if they haven't lived up to expectations, fans very very quickly make up their minds and I suppose that can be felt from the from the sidelines as well. In terms of Galway, they were in in Port Joyce's own words, it was an most embarrassing moment of his career. He was brutally honest in the post match interview. He said that Jimmy Guinness was only there for psychology reasons. He had become involved with the Galway setup. I'd be looking for my money back. <laughs> but I think that's the issue. I think what Galway did here, you bring in Jim McGuinness because quote unquote Jim is the man for Dublin He's he knows how to beat the Dubs Galway's next game is against Dublin this the game last weekend down in Tune Stadium I don't think it was all that important for them and the psychology they talk about it's easier for Jim to or for poor Joyce rather to put up articles that are written, written across the uh, national and local press berating this Galway side and praising Mayo and do that before a Connacht final out in the dressing room when it really matters and then that's when the real psychology of, of Jim McGuinness's grand plan will uh, come to fruition Possibly but if Porrick Joyce was to take articles from this week that say you know Galway were useless Mayo were brilliant mm. first off the only person saying Galway were useless was Porrick Joyce so he's going to be sticking quotes of himself it's not like James Oren said God weren't Galway useless Aren't we great? We're going to go on and win the All Ireland. And he also, if he was to use anything written this week or maybe next week or whatever, or in a build up to a possible Connacht final between Galway and Mayo where they might reach back to this match, it's nothing that wouldn't be true. There was no Galway player that can say, I had a good game. You know, the, every one of them to a man were very, very poor for whatever reason. I don't know, were they overtrained, undertrained? Did they just not care about this game? I find that hard to believe because Galway had a chance to relegate Mayo. Mm. That's you know, to any Galway footballer that has to be up there with knocking them out of the championship. It's got to be we can, we can do some damage to a Mayo team. If you talk about you know psychologically, the the damage that would have done to Mayo to be relegated in the first game back, and then suddenly there's extra pressure heaped on you heading into the championship. Whereas now there's more pressure on Galway because they're the ones who all year have been talked up. In the last couple of weeks before football returned, we've seen, can Galway break the Dublin-Kerry axis? I didn't realise there was an axis. I thought it was just Dublin. <laughs> but seemingly, there's, I thought it was a unicycle, but seemingly there's an axis. Um, are Galway going to be the team? Is Porrick Joyce the one to bring them over the line? And you know, you have Mayo, you have Donegal, you have Tyrone to a lesser extent, all kind of standing back and going, talk them up. Mm. Do you know, big Galway. It doesn't take much to big Galway heads up. No more than... A lot of counties, you know, if you yeah. start talking about them, they start going, oh yeah, with the cock of the walk. You know, it's, it used to happen in Mayo, it does now, we see it. People start talking us up and we, you know, we kind of go with it. It used to be, shut up, stop stop talking about us, you know, we tried to take the Kerry approach and that kind of thing. But We're not organised enough to do that. <laughs> no, exactly. But we're, you know, whereas in Galway, it's very easy to get them a little bit of a heightened sense of themselves and in, in terms of football now. And it's the exact same with the hurlers. So maybe it's actually just ingrained in the county. Uh, I'll have to ask a few of the lads that I know from up there or down there. But um, yeah, I just think psychologically, if that's what Jim was brought in for, whether it was with an eye... Would you bring Jim McGuinness in with an eye on Dublin in the league? But but see, the, the thing is Are that you know Jim... Are they lined up to meet in the championship? 
if Galway and Dublin win, well, when Dublin win Leinster, if Galway win Connacht, is that the the semi final lineup? Is it Connacht, Leinster, Ulster, Ulster, it's Munster, or Connacht, Ulster? I think. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not 100% sure that, but I'm so pretty we're on sure. So the old school easier side of the draw. Yeah. Right? Back in the day when that was the one time Ulster kind of got to the All Ireland final. <laughs> but yeah, you, I don't think you can. You first off, I don't think you can plan that far ahead, even if it's only a shortened season. Secondly, Jim McGuinness has been out of GA for six years. The game is passing by. I don't know if I'd go that far, but definitely things have changed. You know, even small things like fitness and that kind of stuff has changed. And, you know, he hasn't been up close. And Yes, he's watched him while being a pundit for Sky, but he hasn't been up close and personal with Dublin. He hasn't been on the sideline in a league game or a championship game. And if you're getting Jim McGuinness involved, the last time Mayo played a Jim McGuinness team, they bet them by 16 points. This time, uh, supposedly, Jim McGuinness' influence team lost by 15. But Did my Celtic get the right end of the deal? <laughs> I think Celtic were quite correct in shipping him off to America for a while. And uh, I think his, his football managing odyssey has, has not gone down particularly well. Uh, so he is, yeah, back on these shores. And my own belief, anyway, is that poor Joyce would have gotten him in there to try and get them onto that next next axis. Because if they do beat Dublin next weekend in the league, win the league, it sets a real marker for them in their own sort of uh, path to how they see themselves progressing in the, in the next while. Certainly in the aftermath of Kevin Walsh's football, which after Sunday kind of proves that they did need that. They need some sort they of structure. To a certain extent, but I think the league is gone for them. Because um, I think Kerry play... Did Kerry play Mead at the weekend? Um, yeah, yeah, so, so Kerry are going to win the league because they're going to win that game. And you know they, they're on nine points, Dublin and Galway are on eight. So... Kerry will be and th- that game is on Saturday every other game is on Sunday so the league is going to be done and dusted in that regard it looks like um, Comer is probably gone for the season Duane could be gone for the season Walsh may not be fully right for the season they're in, in Walsh and Comer anyways they're two best forwards you know, regardless of what people might say about someone like Conroy or that then you have the um, the Mike Cullen lads who will come back into the panel once this COVID thing that uh, sit there club has kind of passed, but they're going to be so far behind, they're not going to walk straight into the Galway team. They might have had we a full league campaign and plenty of time to the championship. Those guys are not going to be right for inter-county football till the All Ireland stage of the championship. So if Galway can get through Connacht without them, they will be boosted by those kind of guys coming in. But I just don't see Galway being strong enough with those guys injured and with the shortened season. You cannot afford any injuries at all. And I just, I just no matter what goal we do, I just don't see them getting out of Connacht. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Mayo are going to beat them in the Connacht final. I think Mayo are going to find Roscommon very tricky in the Connacht semi-final. But I think that's going to be the real Connacht final, not any game involving Galway. And I think last Sunday proved it. I think next Sunday is going to prove it as well, because I can see Dublin, if they wanted to, if there's a sniff of a league title, if Kerry don't win the previous day, Dublin could beat Galway by 20 points if they want and play Stephen Cluxton in midfield. And to be quite fair as well, Kerry didn't look to be firing on all cylinders. I think every inter-county setup looked quite sluggish and sloppy in a lot of their uh, play. You know, except the Dublin, Mayo, except Mayo, arguably worrying. Yeah, <laughs> like it's remarkable what the strength and conditioning coaches have done in the backroom team because they looked to be incredibly just primed for that match. Hopefully, that does continue throughout the uh, remainder of the of the games left. 
coming into a, a Connacht semi-final then to a quarter-final to, to Leitrim and then up against it is uh, that game against Sligo isn't it? No, Roscommon, Roscommon and yeah, then so it's I think Roscommon have already gotten a walkover because London yeah. um, can't compete and the same then with on the other side with uh, Galway and then Sligo yeah yeah and coming into next weekend's game, obviously it is still do or die. You know, it's we are pretty happy to be talking here about a, a Mayo team that could still very much so be relegated by this time next week, and that would be in terms of development for Mayo's path. I talked about Galway's path; could be really quite disastrous. It it could be. It would have been worse had it happened last weekend because first game back. At least now they'll give themselves a fight more than a fighting chance against the final game. Personally, I'd be happier if this game was in Oma. We seem to do better against Tyrone in Tyrone and they tend to do better down here just remember two years ago when they absolutely annihilated us in Casabar on the, uh, the, the Paddy's weekend mm. um, the fact the fact that it is just do or die it's not oh if we win and we have to win by this much and if Monaghan lose or this that and the other win and you stay up simple as in the last 23 24 years whatever it is that may open Division 1 countless times we've been in this position and always pulled pulled it out of the bag and I think they will as well this Sunday I think Tyrone did not impress me against Donegal no. now they were certainly holding back because they're playing again I think the week after the Mayo match or maybe two weeks after in the championship and that's obviously the much bigger game but I don't think it's that easy I've always said it you can't you know, if you're playing the same team two or three weeks apart and you don't perform one day, it's very hard to turn it on again in, in a couple of weeks' time. So I think they will have to come with a performance. But I just think sometimes it just comes down to who is the better team. And I think both on paper and on the pitch, Mayo are a better team than Tyrone. And I think that's what's going to tell in the end. I think, you know, you, you, the likes of Mark Moore is going to get another chance, so McLaughlin as well. You'll probably see a few players come back in, the likes maybe Keith Higgins... Colin Boyle, guys like that, Tom Parsons, Kevin McLaughlin will come into the team before championship. And that only strengthens Mayo, I think. Yeah. And if they were that good against Galway, they have the potential to be that good against Tyrone as well. Now, I'm not saying they're going to beat Tyrone by 15 points. Nobody really beats Tyrone by more than two or three. You know, they're a very hard team to beat. But if you get ahead of Tyrone, you generally stay there. They're not a great team for chasing the game. They're very, very good. Ever since Mickey Hart took them over back in 2003, if they get ahead of you, you can't catch them. If you get ahead of them, they find it very hard to pull themselves back into games. And they did look uncharacteristically quite easy to, to open up at the back. That came from Donegal's first goal as well in that in that league game. You know, you don't you see that too often. I know it was a, a one step that saw four Tyrone players go the opposite direction, but they're the kind of things that you haven't seen in Tyrone setups in the past. And it is a, a side as well that has had someone like Cullum Kavanagh, a talismanic figure, retire. You know, it's a it's a big player to try and replace, and there doesn't really seem to be any major leaders coming through within that setup. Obviously, now Connor Kenner returning from Australian rules is a massive boost to them, and he looks like a proper player too. Yeah, he does, but you know, he is only back. What mm. I'd say, back in the country for a month. He obviously spent, I'd say, two weeks of that. Well, supposed to anyway. Spent two weeks of that at home. You know, we don't know circumstances or whatever. Um, he did look quite good against Donegal. But I just, uh, you know, I said it before about, with you about Pierce Hanley. I don't think it's that easy to just step in. Now, he will have the levels of fitness and all that because he was playing as rules right up until recently. Normally, when a guy comes back, they're finished in September over there and they don't play for their county till the following February or March or whatever it might be. Um, 
But yeah, he looks like he could be a player for them, you know, in the championship. But their championship, I think, is going to be over after one game because I don't see them beating Donegal uh, in that championship match. He will be a very good player for them going forward. But like you say, they they just lack leaders. And I, I've said it for years. It's time for a change up in Tyrone. Whether that's going to happen or not, we still don't know. Maybe with the shortened season, it could be a swan song for Mickey Hart. Time will tell in that regard. But they just—they're not the Tyrone. They're not the throne of old. There was a time there when Mayo, Kerry and Dublin were always in the semi-finals. And everyone kept saying, oh, Tyrone could be the, or the 14. You know, if it wasn't Donegal, it was Tyrone. Which one's going to break in? I think Donegal feel very grieved because they actually have an All-Ireland during that period. But it was always Tyrone people talked about as, oh, they're the other one. But they never really showed why. They kind of fell into the semi-finals and, that, and they've, they really fell into an All-Ireland final a couple of years ago and were soundly beaten by Dublin in that game. And they haven't looked the same team since. And they have always underperformed against Mayo as well. Or maybe if I put it more positively from a Mayo perspective, Mayo know how to beat them. And I think that that has been quite evident in recent times. You know, you mentioned that bad result in the league, but whenever it does come to crucial deciding games, quarterfinals, semifinals, you name it, Mayo generally do tend to come out, come out on top against them. And that is something that does seem to irk people in Tyrone. You know, we, we're all well aware of Sean Kavanagh's ideas and his uh, position, certainly when it comes to Mayo football. But he's, you've taken umbrage with uh, some of his writing this weekend, Mike. Well, the, uh, I'll give you the headline from the Star on Monday. I almost feared for football watching Mayo and Galway. Now, I should have stopped reading right there because I just knew from that point on it was going to piss me off. And true to form, that's exactly what happened he just it's not so much that he's given out about Mayo but in fact he is actually sorry now that I just kind of glance down again he's saying basically that the, you know the lack of fans is, is leading to these kind of in-house training type games and now I think that will change in championship because it's it's championship but like we said earlier you know Galway didn't have much riding on this game really you know did they actually care about it and all that kind of stuff um, but he does like he's saying is this where football is going to be? If there's not going to be a supporter's cauldron, I almost feared for the game. Is there going to be players who will maybe step up and look really good in this championship who ordinarily wouldn't? Looking at Mark Moran from Mayo, number 11, bit of a tan on him, but obviously a talented player. What does that mean? <laughs> he may as well have written the second, where, where's his cornrows? The second <laughs> coming of Kieran McDonald. That's what he's like. Number 11, bit of a tan on him. We know where he's going with that. Flair player, fancy player. Personally, I wouldn't have described what I saw from Mark Moran as flair and fancy other than, you know, if he's TikToking it. Yeah. But he looked like a guy who can put the head to... Kieran McDonald was far from a flair and fancy player. He could put the head in where you wouldn't put a boot many a time. Ask the any of the Australians. Know, yeah. know about that from when they thought they could rough up the Sheila. You know, and if, but it's just to see that kind of stuff written and you're like... Because further on, he goes, the Toronto-Nigal game was better. <laughs> It may have been a better spectacle because it was a tighter game. It wasn't, though. It was In terms of football, it wasn't. No, it was yeah, dreadful to watch. I exactly. felt sorry for Jerome Henry. He couldn't relax without having the whistle in his mouth every 30 seconds. Yeah, but the next line, he says, that uh, there was a bit of needle and fire in it. Fair enough. There wasn't much of that in the Mayo game, let's be honest. Probably too many scores from what I expected of these. Too many scores in a game for Sean Kavanagh. That is it, ladies and gentlemen. Decadent football. You know, 217 to 213 in a clash between two Ulster heavyweights is just, no, we can't be having this. That should have been 1-7 to 1-3 in Sean Cavanaugh's mind. That's where, that's where football should be heading. 
not 323 to uh, was it 323 to 17 points 340 scored the game less of that please yeah so for Sunday 2 o'clock televised on TG Cahar once again how do you think Mayo will get on against Sharon? You think it's going to be? One, isn't it? It's the delayed coverage. Is it? Which is always annoying. Because that's really annoying. Stay away for the two hours, and it's nearly. Oh, impossible. that's not ideal. Yeah. Um, I I do think I think Mayo will beat Tyrone. I, I there, there won't be much in it. It may not be another you know high scoring game. So Sean Cavanagh might be happy watching it, but I do think Mayo will have too much for Tyrone. In terms of who's going to win the league, I think it'll be Kerry. I just don't see. You know, Mead, but you know, you've gone with Dublin. Uh, Kerry, it is, I think it is Mead that they're playing, yeah, because they played Manon at the weekend. Mead will not want to lose because they don't want seven defeats from seven games. And they looked in decent nick against Dublin the last night. Part of that could be Dublin felt a bit lost because the game was in Pernell Park. Mm. They didn't actually know where they were, you know, where they were kicking. Did it well to make it to the ground, though? That, see, that could be it as well. You know, everyone knows, keep an eye out for that big church spire and you're, you're almost there. Uh, but yeah, I think Kerry will have too much for me. They'll end up winning the league, and it'll be me, the me, the Tyrone. Sorry, who go down? Excellent stuff, Michael Kelly. Thank you very much for your time and joining us here on the Saturday Sports Show.